Pastor Roger's done a phenomenal job the last two Sundays, and uh, I get to do the next two. So um, <clears throat> I want to talk this morning about kindness. You'll probably have noticed in, in our series that really we're going right back to the basics. There's nothing phenomenally, you know, brand new or, wow, I never heard that before or anything like that. It's, we're going back to the basics and we're, we're kind of having this biblical refresher course on strong relationships and how we can have strong relationships. Relationships that are healthy, happy, successful, And so I want to talk today about this element, kindness, that if it's missing, it'll kill your relationship fast, real fast. Kindness sounds like something that's so simple, but it's something that we often often overlook because it sounds simple. Kindness, well, who doesn't know to be kind? I mean, maybe you've driven through the drive-thru at Starbucks or Tim Hortons and you paid for the person's coffee behind you. And, you know, these random acts of kindness, whatever, and we'll talk more about that later. But um, who hasn't, you know, done something kind? But we take it for granted. But listen, when it's not present, it'll kill a relationship. Proverbs 3, chapter 3, verse 3 and 4 says, Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. That's an incredible verse. Two verses. Never let loyalty... That's, that's something our world can be taught about nowadays. Loyalty and kindness leave you. He's saying here that kindness needs to be central in every relationship, every conversation, every interaction. In everything that we do in life, kindness needs to be front And foremost, you see, without kindness, the love and the passion that exists between a husband and wife begins to die. Lack of kindness can literally starve your marriage of affection. Without kindness, a child won't feel loved unconditionally. They won't feel secure or valued or happy. Without kindness, friendships will drift apart. Now, friendships can't exist where kindness is absent. Without kindness, your co-workers are going to resent you instead of respect you. They'll become adversaries instead of allies. It can be a career killer. Without kindness, your most important relationships will wither. Kindness is important. And your kindness matters to God. It matters. In fact, Modern psychology is now catching up to the Bible. And to what the Bible has been saying and teaching about kindness all along. I don't know if you've heard of this fellow, Dr. John Gottman. You can Google him and even his wife are doing amazing counseling and, and all those kinds of things, written multitude of books. Um, he's a psychologist. In fact, they've written over 40 books. World-renowned on his study on studying successful marriages and relationships. For the past four decades, he studied thousands of couples in his quest to figure out what makes relationships work. And he says, by spending just a few minutes with a couple, just a few minutes, four or five minutes, he can determine with a 94% degree of accuracy whether that couple will get divorced, whether they will stay married happy, or whether they will stay married 
unhappy. Now think about that. Just a few minutes with a couple, and he says, from all of his studies he's done, 94% degree of accuracy. Incredible. Now how can he figure that out? Here's the question he asks. Are the couple's regular interactions marked more by kindness or more by contempt? Are they marked more with kindness or contempt? He found out that contempt is the number one factor that tears married couples apart. People who are focused on criticizing their partners miss the positive things their partners are doing. In fact, they even see negative things that aren't even there. There's something created. He found was kindness is one of the top predictors of satisfaction, stability within a marriage. That kindness makes each partner feel cared for, understood, and validated. It was the number one reason and way that each person felt love. And he found that, listen, not just in marriage. Kindness was an important part of every healthy and successful relationship, whether it's at work, whether it's with friends, whether it's with roommates, whether it's with family. And it means it's most important in our relationships be healthy, happy, and successful. We need to learn what kindness really looks like. And then how do we show that kindness? How do we give that in our most important relationships? And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. First of all, I think it's important we understand three biblical, three important biblical truths about kindness. The first one is kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. Now you can call it a fruit of the Spirit, you can call it the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't really matter to me. And if you're not familiar with what that is, in Galatians 5.22, we see the list of the fruit of the Spirit, of gifts that God gives us as we become followers of Jesus and grow in our faith. And this is what they are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Characteristics that God produces within us as we grow in our faith. Now, kindness isn't something that you just manufacture on your own. We all know some people who tend to be kind. You know, they're just nice people to be around. They can be believers and not believers. And they just have this ability to sort of, you know, be kind. You just, but you don't just go out and say, well, you know, when I was at the service today, what pastor said makes sense, so I'm just going to go and I'm going to be a kind person from now on. Good luck. Like a New Year's resolution lasts for three days. You know, I'm just going to, I'm just, I'm just going to go and be kind. You know what's going to happen? You're going to go out, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work for a day, maybe even a week. You're going to be a kinder person just through your sheer willpower. And then after a few days, you're going to revert right back to where you were because this is the thing. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. Scripture said by, your, by their fruit, you'll know them. What kind of fruit you got hanging on your tree? Depends on where the root is. It's a fruit. So it's a fruit of the Spirit, so we need to dis- discover that truth. Secondly, kindness is love in action. And this is by, this will be our definition for this characteristic. Kindness is love in action. It's actively showing love to others in our life. It's an action. It's a verb. 
By the way, kindness is also a very big indicator of strength and character because kindness isn't the easy path to take in our relationships. Kindness isn't the natural path, especially when we're in a disagreement. And next week we're going to talk about conflict in relationship. But it's not easy when there's a disagreement. Remember, this is our definition. Kindness is love in action. It's not an adjective, it's a verb. It's putting love into action. And Pastor Roger talked about love a few weeks ago. It's putting love into action. Here's the third truth. Kindness is the glue that holds relationships together. It's the glue that holds relationships together. Friendships, marriages, dating relationships, parents, children. A lot of elements that are important to having a healthy, happy, and successful relationship. But kindness is the glue. It's the glue. It's the duct tape. You know, it's the, what holds the whole thing together. The small, the everyday acts of love that strengthen the relationship, that hold the relationship together. Colossians 3.12 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, and then kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So we call today's message a biblical refresher on kindness, practical actions that we can take to live out kindness in our most important relationships. And I want you to be thinking about your most important relationships, which are relationship with your spouse, your children, your grandchildren, your friends, your coworkers. Now I want to tell you when I was studying this thing on kindness. Some of the elements of what I'm going to talk about made me squirm. And when we start talking about kindness, some of the thoughts that are going to come into your head are going to be, "Mm, I wasn't really that kind to me. And the Holy Spirit's going to bring some things to your mind because I've been asking the Holy Spirit to do that this morning. The worship team was playing and walking around and as is my habit, I, I walk around and pray over every chair. The chair you're sitting in, I ask God to touch the person who's sitting in that chair and speak to them on areas where they need to shore up kindness in their life. And so if the seats gets a little hot, you can sit to the next one if you want, but it's going to be just as hot. We should wire, that's what we should do, Stu. Wire the seats electrically. And then when you want someone to pledge $100, you just push the button and they stand up. Kindness. As you think about your most important relationships... You're married, be your spouse, your children, or parents, friends, co-workers, relatives. The first step in this biblical refresher course that we're on on kindness, number one, I need to speak encouraging words. Remember, Pastor Roger talked about the love languages a few weeks ago, and 
how important different love languages are to different people. Some like gifts, some like encouraging words or affirmation. Affirmation is so key. Encouraging words are so key. And we can't talk about kindness unless we also talk about the words that we use. Because we all know this, words have amazing power. You've heard the old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. One of the biggest lies the enemy has ever propagated. We can all remember. Remember the name that you were called in the playground in fifth grade or third grade? Remember that name that somebody called you and every once in a while, there it is. Names, words are powerful. Now I know God heals and strengthens, but there's a hurt that comes with words that is amazingly powerful. But remember the time when somebody said those encouraging, strengthening words to you? Man, did you get mileage off of that, right? There's no truth in that phrase that I just said. Whatsoever, because here's the thing about a broken bone. They heal pretty quick. But a broken heart, not so much. When words cut, when they hit somebody's heart, they leave wounds, they leave scars. They don't heal in just a few months. Sometimes it's 10, 20. Some of you were hurt by words 20, 30 years ago, and you're still holding on to them today. They're still there, kind of like an ever-present Cloud, they still hurt you. The wound still feels fresh. See, the kind and encouraging words, these are tools that we can use to lift people up. But negative, hurtful words, these are weapons that we use to tear people down. Friends, in the church ought to be the most encouraging place to be. And sometimes it's not just the words, it's a sideward glance that you get from somebody. And the rolling of the eyes. And we all know what that means. Now I know we're all human and we blow it. And, you know, we, I, I'm not, we're not all, you know, we don't have pictures of you on the wall saying, Saint, whatever. We're human. But there's something about kindness. And there's something about hurtful words. So let me ask you a question. Which do you think is more powerful A kind, encouraging word or a hurtful, negative word? Which is more powerful? Which is more powerful? Negative. A negative word is more powerful, like a single negative word, than a single positive phrase. And let me show you. Going back to this guy, this doctor, he did studies on the power of words in our relationships, and he discovered this ratio. He discovered it usually took five positive, encouraging, affirming words to make up for one negative comment. Now, I've heard it takes seven. He says it takes five. Okay, let's take five. It's less, right? Five positive, encouraging, affirming words to make up for one negative comment. How many of you are behind getting positive words, (laughs) receiving them, right? If it's five to one, 
Hmm. Think about it. In a relationship, negative words are five times stronger than positive words. Because if I say a negative word to you, a critical word, I hurt your feelings. And in order to counteract that, I have to say five encouraging words just to make the scale even. It's that much of a discrepancy in how we use them. Now, don't go home and you're going to criticize your son or your daughter and then quickly say five things that are nice about him. You haven't accomplished a blessed thing. Just takes five to drown out one. And you know this to be true, and some of you can hold on to something someone said to you years ago. And you don't forget because it hurt. It cut deep. It left a scar. I don't know why, but for some reason we're wired to hold on to that negative stuff. Just one snide comment that another person, they may not have meant it to be even be serious. But <clears throat> it cut. They were kind of... If you ask them, they were just kidding. They were just joking. The Bible talks about foolish jesting. Hey, I've been guilty as charged. It hurts us deeply. People who are focused on criticizing their partners, get this from the same doctor, said they miss a whopping 50% of their positive things their partners are doing. Because all they're seeing is the negativity, even when it's not there. In other words, not only do negative words hurt the other person, but when you're being critical, you can't see the good in the other person, and you're blinded to the positive things that they can even be doing. So it's hurting you. It's a deadly, deadly cycle that begins to go on. You become negative, you use negative words. You can't see anything that leads to more negative words, and off you go, and the cycle can destroy relationships. Now, here's the deal. You can turn the cycle around. We got the good news. We can turn the cycle around. You can use your words to build a relationship. Notice here, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. ha <laughs> Friends, there's hope, amen? There's great hope in Jesus Christ. There's great hope in the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. So let me ask you another personal question. Do you use your words more as a tool to build people up or more as a weapon to tear people down? I want us to be honest. Something you could even write in your journal as you think about it. Think about your relationships this morning prior to church. What were they like? Hurry up, we're going to be late. You know how the pastor hates us being late? You're always late. I had to repent for my off-the-cuff comments to you folks. I don't know what's going on in your life Sunday morning and on the way here. Maybe you were stuck in prayer. I've said some things and I apologize and I ask you to forgive me. Now, if you have a problem procrastinating, that's something between you and God, but we're just being always late. But 
but it's not my place to judge or so I want to tell you on Sunday mornings relax chill get here when you do we'll be happy those that come for pre-service prayer I'm really happy you that come a few minutes late I'm really happy I'm just really happy you could, have stay, you could have chose to stay in Bedside Chapel. But you came here because you wanted to be with other believers and worship God. Will you forgive me? Thank you. I see that hand. But I want us to be honest. Think about this in your most important relationship. Think about how you use your words. If you were to walk around tomorrow, I don't have my phone here with me, but if you were to walk around tomorrow and you put your smartphone on record and recorded all your conversations tomorrow, you record every word that came out of your mouth. Would there be Five times as many encouraging words for every discouraging word that came out. And I think it's a great ratio, really, for us you know, to picture in our minds. Am I kind with my words? Do I have five times as many kind words as I have negative words? So this week, I want us to choose, because it's a choice. I want us to choose. Encouraging words with your coworker, with your family, with your spouse, with your roommates, with your most important relationship, with your parents. Proverbs 16.24 says, Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, and get this, healthy for the body. Wow. You need to underline that last phrase. Healthy for the body. I don't want us to miss this. Kind words help us spiritually, emotionally. They also make us healthier physically. They probably make you look more beautiful and more handsome. My wife and I were remarking the other day on our on my, or at least I was remarking on my on my face. The more I age, I get these lines on my face. And my wife said something so encouraging to me. She said, those are smile lines. So I tried to frown to see if they would make any lines. I can't frown. It's very difficult for me to frown. <laughs> then the mirror trying to frown to see if it would create lines. I got a lot of mileage out of that. Every time I look at my face and see those lines, those are smile lines. What do you say to your family members when you see their face? Hey, you know, you got a zit there. Eating too much chocolate. What do we say? Go back to the research this doctor did. What he found was it showed that hearing negative words over and over again weakened a person's ability to withstand Sickness. Whoa. 
But kind words, they literally make us healthier. Our words are so powerful. I mean, different people, they've got negative words, they've got gossiping words, they've got tailbearer words. You just about... You, you want to just kind of get their attention in Jesus' name. You know what I mean? I remember one time years ago, this lady came to our house. Little short lady. Nothing against short ladies, but she was short. She came to our house and sat in our living room. We were young, in ministry. I often say I was greener than a peeled willow. And um, she came in there, sat in our living room. Remember that, hun? And she sat there. I don't know if she sat or she stood and we sat. And she just vomited garbage all over our living room. Like, blah, this, that, and this, and that. And the church, the church, and you, and you, and you. I don't know why we didn't just kick her out of our house. But we were trying to be good pastors. When she left, and maybe you've been a part of those conversations, you feel like you need to go and have a shower. Just like, mm. None of us like to live in that kind of an atmosphere, do we? We want to be the kind of people, I'm not saying you're, you're the dumping people, nothing like that. I'm just saying from that to what we can be to bring health into our own body, into our own family, into our own relationships, a lot of it has to be determined by the words that come out of our mouth. You want your family to be healthy? You want you to be healthy? Be kind. Speak with kindness. Our relationship refresher for this week, we have one every week in this series, is one kind word can change someone's entire day. Isn't that true? One kind word that someone gives you can just kind of change your day. Wow. I'm going to make it. One kind word. Let's decide to use our words this coming week as tools to build each other up rather than weapons to tear them down. Now, I don't think any of us mentally, rationally decide, I'm going to tear that person down. No, it just comes out. The kind word you, you give can make someone's day, week, month, their year. It can even change their life. We probably all heard testimonials of somebody who was going to take their life and somebody said a kind word or a kind gesture or some kindness towards them changed the direction of their eternity. Kindness. Your words have great power. You never know when the words that you say to people who are most important to you will be the last words you speak. So treasure those words. They, may be, they might be the last words you share with that loved one in your family, and poof, their life can be gone. You don't know. And you'll live with a regret. Oh, why did I say that? We need to be aware that every word we speak could be the last word. Could be. Build people up. Express how you love. Be kind with your words. So to be kind, number one, we speak encouraging words. Then there's a second one. Number two, I give my full attention. Now, man, pay attention here. I give my full attention. 
The greatest currency of kindness is attention. You want to express kindness to a co-worker, or you want to show love to your child or your spouse, or you want to let a friend know that you care, the most important thing that we can do is give them our undivided attention. How many times have we said to our kids, we're giving them instru- some instructions on, on a chore, and they're busy playing. We say, look at me. And you know that once they look you in the eye, they're going to hear what you say. But when we become older and adults, we don't, we don't think it applies to us anymore. No partial attention, but your full attention. I know saying this sounds so simple, but it's so difficult to do. When I'm tired, it's the end of the day. It takes a lot of discipline and energy on my part to give my undivided attention to Marilyn for a conversation. It takes some work. Now there's days when it's really easy, but there's times it takes work for me. But when I don't give my full attention, the people I care about the most, they don't feel loved, they don't feel appreciated, and they don't feel important. They don't. If we want to be really blunt, I guess what we're telling them when we don't give them our attention, we're saying, what I'm doing right now is really more important than you. I'm guilty of this, and friends, so are you. We're all guilty. So let's all feel bad for one second together. Because there's hope. And that's the point of kindness. In marriage or any of our important relationship, here's what happens. Here's what they did in the studies and they found out that in a relationship, one person tries to engage in conversation. And the person who's being engaged in conversation then has a choice. The choice is, you can turn off the Olympics and choose that person and engage with them, which is kindness, or you can turn away from that person and ignore them, which, friends, is really, should I say it, contempt. We're not talking about big conversations like, you know, where are we going to live? What are we going to do? All these, you know, kids' education. I'm talking about conversations on any little thing that our spouse is trying to connect with us. So, men, let's just use this as an illustration. You're sitting on the couch with your wife, and she leans over, and she has her smartphone in her hand, and she says to you, uh, she's on Pinterest. How many ladies here are on Pinterest? How many? Uh, a few of you. The rest of you should check it out. Anyway. And she's like, hey, look. Look at this kitchen I found. She says, I love that it's white. I love the color schemes, and I love the kitchen table they have, and the island that's there. 
wouldn't you love to have this? So she shows it to you, and you look at it, and you do what all of us men and women have done a hundred times. Uh-huh, that's nice. And you hand back her phone. You don't really engage her in what she wants to talk about. Now, I'm sure you, didn't, you weren't mean about it, but what did you just do? She engaged you in a conversation. You turned away because, honestly, that conversation was about much more than just kitchens. It was. It was much more than just kitchen that was white in the colors. And your, your spouse loves you enough that she wanted you to share her, get this word, experience. Now, guys, listen. I'm guilty of sin with you in this. Right, hon? I'm guilty. Because there's this experience Experience. Now, just if you haven't heard that word before, memorize that word. Experience. So the next time she shows you, you're going to say, okay, you're telling yourself, I want to experience. It's totally foreign to your makeup. Unless it was something she wanted you to build. Now that's different, right? Now you can experience, but experience the idea, experience the, you know, the, the euphoria of this thing. Guys, have you got a handle on that? Come on up. I'm just telling you, that's the truth. You ask your wife, you ask your spouse. <laughs> so when you hand back your phone, whatever. You see, in this doctor's study, he found that marriages that end in early divorce, now get this, this is kind of technical, but get this. The spouse had a turn towards rate of only 33%. In other words, the ones that ended in divorce, when the spouse wanted to engage with them, and they started to engage, they only responded 33% to those things, and then they just turned around and went back to what they were doing. Only 33%. Now get this. Whenever their spouse tried to engage them in conversation, something small, like, hey, do you see that bird over there? They only turned and engaged their spouse or their partner in communication one out of three times. But the couples who stayed together and had a great relationship in marriage, they had a turn towards rate of 87%. In other words, when they engage you in conversation, you engage back nine times out of ten. You're allowed one failure, guys. That's what you're communicating, that you care. I didn't say you understood. That's a whole other sermon. But you cared. I cared. You're not going to have healthy relations if you don't give your full attention to the people who matter most to you. This isn't something that doctors just discovered. This is something the Bible has been talking about all along. Philippians 2.4 don't look out only for your own interest. Don't only engage on the things that you're interested in, but take an interest in others too, by the way. You know this, one of the biggest attention robbers we have is our smartphone. Did you know there's an actual term now for when you ignore people and you're focused on your phone? <laughs> I didn't know that. It's a combination of the word phone and the word snubbing. It's called fubbing. 
I didn't know that. Have you ever been fubbed by somebody? You're trying to talk to them and they turn away. It's not fun when it happens. But we've all done that. Or you're sitting in a meeting and some yahoo you're trying to engage with is on his blessed phone. Right now you're not thinking it's so blessed. You know, friends, there's a button on your phone that says do not disturb. When you're in a conversation or in a meeting, I remember, here's a little pointer for the youth. Our previous youth pastor had youth, and when the kids came into the youth room, they had to put the phones in a, in a basket. <laughs> remember that? Or maybe you were too young then, but you remember that, Ethan, right? Because it's such a temptation. I mean, smartphones are great and good and all that kind of stuff, and there's lots of ways to communicate with them, but we've all been fubbed. Let me tell you, I want to challenge you to give your full undivided attention, whether it's a coworker, whether it's a spouse, a roommate, a child, whoever it is, work on giving your full attention. Your kids come and talk to you guys and ladies, and you're like, huh, huh, yeah. You know the most common sound coming from a man is a grunt. Hmm. We don't want to hear grunts. We go to the zoo. (laughs) It's so quiet in here. I don't know what's going on, but you're way too quiet. You're making me nervous. I don't know if I'm going to get tomatoes thrown at me or checkbooks. I'm not sure, but. The greatest currency of kindness is your attention. So to be kind, we speak encouraging words. We give our full attention. Here's a third one. Practice acts of kindness. Practice acts of kindness. We've all heard about that. I mentioned earlier, you know, you're in the lineup and somebody buys you your coffee, you buy the next person coffee. And those are random acts of kindness to strangers. But I'm not talking about a random act of kindness to a stranger. I'm talking about an intentional act of kindness for the people who are most important to you. Very different. Here's what I mean. I mean, interrupting your day and your schedule and your plans long enough to put your love in action and serve someone or encourage someone in a small way. Remember, kindness is, is love in action, right? First John 3.18 says, Let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us, know, let us know the truth by our actions. There's a word to circle, actions. Remember, kindness is love in action. Sometimes it's easier to say I love you than to actually show love through our action, but kindness requires action. Now, what are some real ways that you can put your love in action this week? It doesn't have to be something big or major. I'm I'm not talking big. But what we're talking about here are the small daily acts of love to show people in our life that we really love them. Okay, it's your sibling's turn to take out the garbage. And it's still there. You say, hey... It's your turn to take out the garbage. You forgot again. Or do you pick up the garbage and take it out? Just a simple little thing. Or maybe it's not even your turn. Maybe it's not even even your duty. But you just do it. Because you've noticed that mom's been doing it all the time because dad forgets. Sorry, guys. It's just a simple little thing. 
your coworker is struggling to get project finished, and you take time off of your project and you help them on their project so they can be successful, even if it means you've got to stay a little later, finish yours. When your child spills something, instead of fussing at them and getting mad at them, you get on your hands and knees and you help them clean it up. Love in action. Or, when you're going out with your spouse for a dessert night, when you're going to McKay's ice cream in Cochrane, and you both get the same ice cream cone because you both like the same ice cream, and they set it up on the top there, and you see one bigger. What do you do? It's getting real now, isn't it? Which one are you going to give to the other person? Love and action. What I'm talking about is showing kindness, choosing kindness over selfishness. It's easy to just get yourself a cup of coffee or just to wash your own plate and put the earbuds in at work and pretend there's nothing else going on around you. That's easy, but what I'm saying is to intentionally slow down and think about others. We're so busy in life. We're so preoccupied and we need to intentionally take the time to be kind to people in your life through your actions. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Now here's a challenge I want to give you this week to help you apply kindness in your life. To show kindness in a practical way every day this week. At some point in time, I'd like you to spend just alone with the Lord and and just ask God, where have I been missing some prime opportunities to show kindness? And so preoccupied, so busy, thinking about so many things, work, whatever. Where have I missed some prime opportunities to show kindness? Maybe to my spouse, my kids, coworker, relative, neighbor, whatever. Where have I missed some things? I believe if we'll genuinely ask the Lord, the Holy Spirit will show us. Because, friends, we've all missed something. Someone, somewhere. Maybe it's a son or a daughter. You're finding it hard to connect with them. wonder how many times you weren't there to connect when they wanted to connect. When was the last time you asked one of your kids or your spouse... Could we just talk? Anything you want to talk about? Can we just talk? Showing kindness. Choosing kindness over selfishness. Will you take the kindness challenge? Would you say, you know what, every day this week, I want to intentionally show kindness to the people who mean the most to me. I think I can pretty much guarantee that as I've been sharing with you, you've been thinking about a specific relationship in your life. You've been thinking about a co-worker, a spouse, a child, your parents, or a family member, somebody where you missed an opportunity to show kindness. That's okay. Now you recognize it now. You're going to be more alert. Now you're going to intentionally. Now, if you've been kind of a prune at home and you go home this afternoon you just start being all mushy over everybody 
You're going to chase them right out the door. What happened to him or her? I think it just has to come out of life. This is a natural day of life. If we'll ask the Lord to show us, he'll show us. And little by little, we'll begin to introduce more kindness in and through our life. Make the commitment. You're going to choose acts of kindness for that person or other people every day this week. And see how God blesses your life as a result of you doing that. Because it will happen. As you take the opportunities, whenever you have the opportunity, make sure that you take the time to intensely show an act of kindness. Listen, if you see me in Tim Horton's line, rush ahead to buy my coffee. No, no, no. Act of kindness. Better yet, buy me a Tim's card. No, no. But you know we've all been recipients of acts of kindness. How did it make you feel? Think for a moment the last time someone did just an act of kindness to you or a kind word, encouraging word. Think for a moment. How did that make you feel? That's how other people will feel when we participate. Kindness. Kindness. Instead of it being something we had to occasionally do, it needs to become a lifestyle. It's going to bring so much joy to your relationships. It's going to move from something you're making yourself do to a lifestyle. It can change your life and your relationships with love and action. So, we speak encouraging words. We give our full attention. We practice acts of kindness. And then finally, the last one is this. I respond to God's kindness to me. You see, kindness is the glue that holds our relationship together. It's such a simple thing, but sometimes it's so hard to do. And it's so easy to overlook and neglect. Listen, kindness has the power to transform every one of our relationships because kindness is love in action. Before you start out on your quest this week to put your love in action by being kind to those people who mean the most to you, I want to remind us about one of those kindness truths from the very beginning of the message. Kindness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's a characteristic that God develops. He grows inside of someone who follows Jesus. Kindness doesn't result from your willpower. I mean, you can walk out of here. I'm going to take the challenge, Pastor. What you said is good. I'm going to walk out of here today. I'm going to do an act of kindness every day this week. I'm going to really pay attention. I'm going to use encouraging words. You could make yourself do that for a few days, and then somebody ticks you off. Now, I know you're mostly saints. None of you get ticked off. Or something happens, and we forget. The reason why willpower won't work is because ultimately kindness is less about the relationship between you and the other person, and it's more about your relationship between you and God. I want us to grasp that. It's more than just a relationship between you and the person you love and appreciate. It's more about your relationship between you and God. Because if our relationships are fresh and vibrant between us and God, he's developing in us the fruit of the Spirit. And we're to be led by the Spirit, not by the flesh, right? 
And so the flesh, we can, our willpower, we're good, we're good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm okay. I'm taking out the garbage, I'm going to vacuum, I'm, I'll wash your car, I'll vacuum it out, I'll take the kids to school, I'll give them more allowance. I'll... Right, youth, you want more allowance, right? Yeah, for less work, yeah, of course. My day, what was allowance? We didn't have a, no, anyway, it's more than willpower. Think about just your life. Think about all the ways that God has shown his kindness to you. He's given us life. He's blessed us in so many ways. Have you ever wondered why God is so good to us and so kind to us? Romans 2.4 says, don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness, why is he kind? Is intended to turn you from your sin. Wow. It wasn't his judgment. It wasn't his harshness. It wasn't his finger pointing in our face. It wasn't, it was his kindness. His kindness. God is kind to us because he loves us. Because he cares about us. He wants us to turn from a path that leads us away from him. Leads us to a life of emptiness and regret. Leads us to an eternity separated from God. He doesn't want us on that path. So his ultimate act of kindness. When he sent his own son to die on the cross for us. Gave his life. We could become the people that he originally created us to be. So we could live a life of purpose and meaning. So we could have a home in heaven for all of eternity. Here's the thing. When we turn to God, when we believe in him, when we put our faith in him, we receive his kindness, our sins are forgiven, we can have a relationship with God, and as we cultivate and build that relationship, the spirit of kindness can flow through our life. Then it's more than willpower. Our nature is being changed. We're receiving the DNA of Jesus himself. Don't take that to too far extremes. But his character, his nature in us. And God's kindness doesn't stop with just one time of forgiveness. Aren't you glad? His kindness extends. He forgives us every day when we need it. We'll just ask him to forgive us. And turn to him and trust him. Have you accepted God's kindness? Do you have a relationship with God where you can talk to God, where God directs your steps? Do you know that today that you're going to spend eternity with God in heaven? And you can know if you don't by responding to his kindness. Titus 3 verse 4 says, When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared... He saved us. <laughs> Not because of righteous things we'd done, but because of his mercy. Love in action. That's real kindness. My greatest hero, we all have our heroes, I guess. My greatest hero in the faith went to be with Jesus Christ this last week at 99 years of age, Billy Graham. I'm amazed at the legacy of a 
man of God like that and I almost felt like we should sing that song in honor of him and his crusades just as I am without one plea that thy blood was shed for me I can, I can see it as from a child at an early age as crowds would gather in stadiums George Beverly Shea would sing and and then Cliff Barrows would lead the choir and Billy Graham would preach a sermon that you knew what it was going to be about. Simple message of the gospel. And then at the end he would fold his arms. Can you see it? And Cliff Barrows would lead the choir and just as I am and crowds would stream to the altar. It said that he preached over 210, 215 million people. No evangelist will ever personally preach to that many people again in all of history. Wow. I think he was the pastor to about 10 presidents. He's known as America's pastor. Hmm. What a legacy. Hear the stories about him. What a man who demonstrated kindness. It says of him that he always took time to listen to somebody. Never brushed them off or kindness. Now he has a reputation. Now he's in heaven getting his reward. It's got to be incredible. Has a reputation. What's our reputation? If you were to die today, number one, where would you go? Number two, what would people say about you? The Bible says because kindness, kindness of God will bring us to salvation and give us favor with God and with man. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you. Lord, I know it's somewhat challenging and sobering, and at the same time there's tremendous hope because we know that every one of us that know you has the spirit of Christ living inside of us, who wants to develop in us the character of Christ, and specifically, kindness. Father, forgive us for areas and when we've blown it. We've allowed our own interests and own desires to come to the surface rather than thinking of others. And speaking a kind word or a kind gesture to our family, those we work with, our friends, neighbors. Lord, I pray that today, if there's anybody in this room who has not given their life to Jesus Christ and invited Christ to come in and forgive them of their sin and turn from their own way and ask Christ to lead and guide their life, that today would be a day They would pray that prayer and say, Jesus, forgive me. I ask you to come in and wash me clean and take away all the guilt and all the stuff and help me to live the life that you want me to live. Let your Holy Spirit come in and live inside of me and empower me. Help me to speak words of kindness, gentleness. Let your Spirit out of my life and if and when I blow it Lord help me never to forget that I can come to you and you'll forgive and cleanse 
and set me back up again. I'll be stronger the next time. Father, I thank you for these folks, their kindness and listening, their patience in putting up with so many things that whatever. I pray, God, that in every one of their homes and families, kindness, that love in action will be a thought that never strays from our mind, but that you, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, will awaken within us that desire to put our love in action through kindness. I pray, Father, you'll bless your people, bless each family, every home. Lord, where words have been spoken, I want to pray specifically now for you. Maybe words have been spoken and they've been hurtful words and actions. It's like it's right there when you Someone starts to mention that, just come pops right up there. And you wonder, when's the pain of that going to go away? I would encourage you that in the midst of the pain you feel and the hurt, reverse its effects and be kind. Pray for those that despitefully use you. Do good to those that want to harm you. The words sound so easy, but we need God's Holy Spirit to help us. Give that person to the Lord. Say, Lord, I forgive them again. Ask you to heal the hurt and the pain. Help me to speak words of kindness. Help me to speak Positive words about that person. Help me to pray for them. The family member, Lord, help me. Help me not to retaliate. Help my words to be seasoned with grace and mercy. So, Lord, I pray for any person who's been hurt by words, actions, or if they've been injured or hurt by any pastor or leader, elder in a church or deacon or Sunday school teacher or whatever. I pray, God, that your forgiveness would be extended from their life to those. And in turn, they'll become a stronger, more committed follower of Jesus Christ. Help our kindness to bring people to Jesus. So, Lord, I thank you. I say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you. And lift up his countenance on you. And fill you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Just as I am without one plea, but that 
Stay. 